Mahomes back, throws, it is incomplete, yes. picked off, picked off by the Lions. Brian Branch with it left side. He's going, baby! He's going to the house! Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Deflected yes. in the air, Branch ran under it, and he took it all the way back. Welcome to the 20 Minute Huddle podcast presented by Microsoft. It is week 11 in the NFL, and the Detroit Lions have a NFC North matchup, a big one. Their second of the season as they try to continue uh, with their lead in the NFC North. I want to start the podcast this week with maybe a little bit more of a national perspective here. Robert Mays from The Athletic does a great job with The Athletic Football Show. Welcome in, uh, uh, Robert, just to talk about the Lions a little bit, the NFC North, maybe the NFL in general. Robert, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Anytime. Now, I, I have to say, we can see the Chicago Bears helmet there behind you. We face the Bears this week. I'm probably going to get a few comments on that. I don't know if, if, if maybe this was a good idea this week, but we should start with with your love of Chicago a little bit. Yeah, I'm from here. I mean, this is as much about <laughs> where I grew up and how I grew up as anything. I'll be honest with you. I've enjoyed watching the Lions this year and the last couple of years far more than I've enjoyed watching the Bears. <laughs> well, speaking of that, you know, let's let's talk about you know the last week's game, um, you know, shootout in in L.A. Just your thoughts on Sunday's win. Maybe what was your biggest takeaway from, from watching that game? It was just so fun to watch. All we talked about this on our show on Sunday night. Kind of all the pillars of the Lions' offense come together, and you see what the vision of this thing is moving forward. And if you look back last year, you, know, you could see the kernels of it. Ben Johnson and just the great job that he does with design situational awareness, you know, some of the one-off plays that they have every single week. It's one of the more fun offenses to watch in the league from a schematic coordination perspective. One of my big questions coming into this year was, did this team add enough spark? Did they add enough juice on offense with their playmaking positions to kind of take that next step and be among the elite teams in the NFL for the entire year? And I think Sunday was an indication and a reminder that they're making real strides in that direction, which Amir Gibbs yeah. can give them. And, you know, the big question for me is you have a rookie running back that you drafted in the first round and then a rookie tight end. Those were your big moves in terms of the skill position talent. I know David Montgomery, but I think those were the two biggest swings. How much are you going to get out of those guys in year one? And obviously, Jameer Gubbs, it's been a bit a little bit slower, but we're seeing flashes of it now. And then Sam Laporte has been the most productive rookie tight end that we've seen in how many years? So the plan that Brad Holmes and this group had for how they were going to take that next step, I think it's finally coming into view. And you combine that with how well everything is constructed on that side. And it's easy to get very excited. Yeah, and I, you know, to your point, I think it's exciting for for Lions fans when when you view it this way too. Jared Goff, twenty nine years old. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown, twenty four years old. You know, uh, Penny Sewell is twenty three. Gibbs is twenty one. Laporte is twenty two. I mean, this is set up now to be a really good offense for a long time now. There's no doubt. And one of my favorite things that this organization has done over the last several years is that they've given those guys opportunities. They haven't gotten anxious or antsy by adding mid-tier free agent talent at some of these positions. They've said, we're going to have young guys and we're going to give them every opportunity to win these jobs and get these out and get these reps. And I think it's been huge in the development of those players individually and in the development of this roster. I've been not critical, but I had my doubts about 
could this all come together quickly this year? Could they really be a contender with sort of the measured moves that they made this offseason? And I always couched it in, listen, I've been wrong about the mo- the job that Brad and Dan have done before. I might be again. And it's so far, it seems like I am because the way that they've handled this and the pace at which they've done it, I think deserves a lot of credit and des- they deserve a lot of just accolades here as we move forward throughout the season. This all kind of lends to my next question here. The hierarchy in the NFC, you know, the Lions sit at the number two seed right now, one game behind Philadelphia ahead of one game ahead of Dallas, San Francisco. I'm just curious from your perspective, kind of where what's that hierarchy? What's that what's that maybe top four in the NFC and, and where do the Lions stand within that? I think that they're right in that conversation. I don't think that there's a gap between the quote unquote elite teams that we knew about coming into the season and Detroit, as I see it right now, you know, I thought that was going to be the case that the lions were going to be a team that could win the NFC North this year, be a very good story, be a double digit win team, make the playoffs for the first time in a while, but there would still be at least a little bit of separation between them and San Francisco, Philly, even Dallas. I don't really feel that way anymore. I think they're playing as well as anybody. I think they deserve to be mentioned in those conversations in large part because of the strides that defense has made and the young players on that defense, how much they've improved. So I think it's going to be a really, really fun race to see how that ends up shaking out by the end of the year. But right now they deserve mention with any one of those teams in the NFC. And you look at Philly, who, uh, you know, obviously at eight and one is at the top. I mean, they've got some tough games coming up. I think it starts Monday with Kansas City. I think they got Buffalo mixed in there. Obviously, have Dallas again. And with Detroit, it's not as tough a road. So I think it'll be really interesting the last six, seven weeks of the season, how this plays out and kind of where they're at the final two weeks of the season. Robert, I want to ask you about this. And again, I'm with Robert Mays, uh, does a great job with The Athletic. Check out The Athletic Football Show, does a really good job with that. Um, The perception of, of... of Dan Campbell, uh, I think nationally, obviously the headlines when, you know, over his first press conference, but, but how has that evolved from a national perspective over, you know, the last three years, obviously NFL co- uh, quarterbacks and NFL head coaches are measured on wins and losses. That's the important thing, right? So obviously the wins are starting to come along, but I, I'm just curious how, how maybe this as the perception of Dan Campbell changed if it, if it has at all. I think it's changed. I mean, I can only speak from my experience when I watched them two years ago when they were, what did they finish? One win, two wins that season, three wins, three wins. I loved watching them. (laughs) They were a team by the end of the season where we consistently were talking about how hard they were playing, how they were competing. It was everything you could want out of that sort of season. You know, you're going to lose a lot of games. You're in year one of what is essentially a teardown. All you want to see is buy-in. And that wasn't surprising given what Dan Campbell was supposed to be as a head coach. He was supposed to be a culture guy, supposed to be a motivator, all of that. So I think it was easy to kind of connect those dots. Last year, you see them start taking real strides. And that I think the kind of the understanding of him and the outside perception of him is, oh, they're bringing in the right guys. They're doing this the right way. Look at how they're taking these steps at the right time. This year, I think it's transitioned all the way to me just thinking he's been one of the most impactful head coaches in the league. It's not just rah-rah stuff. I mean, I said last week that he was my coach of the year when we did our midseason awards, and it's not because necessarily just the results. The results are great, and when you haven't won – at this clip in a long time, you're going to get acknowledgement about stuff like that. But if you look at some of the stuff he's done with clock management, timeouts, the way they've gone forward on fourth down, he's consistently been a value add in the game management areas of being a head coach. And if you're going to be a CEO type head coach, like he is where he's not the offensive play caller, he's not the defensive play caller. He's supposed to kind of oversee the operation. 
you have to be beneficial to your team on those margins. And that's exactly what he's been. So I think the perception has gone from looking at him as the biting kneecaps guy to now looking at him as a guy who consistently gives his team edges in smart, subtle ways. And I think that's really mirrored the rise that the franchise has kind of taken over the last couple of years. No, 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. Another guy who's kind of giving them a great chance to, to win week after week is, is Jared Goff. Just the, his play over the last you know 11 weeks and, and just where he stands in terms of um, the elite quarterbacks in this league, I, I think he's right up there. You, you look at the numbers, you look at the impact he makes, just the veteran savvy in terms of being able to get him into the right place. We talked about the 75-yard touchdown last week was a complete wrong pl- play call for the personnel that they had Jared just gets them in the right play and it turns into a 75 yard touchdown those are things that don't show up in a stat sheet but are so valuable on Sundays when you talk about veteran quarterbacks I just curious where where kind of you rank Jared where you think he he kind of fits into the mix I think he deserves to be in the conversation among the best quarterbacks in this league do you agree I think he's played really, really well this year, and I've had so much fun watching him play this year. I think he's a great trigger man for this offense specifically. The way that Ben Johnson designs this thing, I think of all the daggers they run on like third and 11, where he's got to rip those inbreakers over the middle of the field, and that's exactly what he does well. I still think when you're looking at him compared to the guys that are in the conversation for MVP every single year, the only gap between those players and Jared, in my opinion, is the ability to create something out of structure, right? If the play breaks down. Jared is not going to be able to kind of create something with his legs, extend plays, but that's really the only gap to me in terms of accuracy, decision-making the arm that he has shown off the ability to fit balls into tight windows within the structure of the offense and with within what the offense is giving him, he is playing as well as pretty much any quarterback in the NFL. And I think that's why I've had such a good time just watching him play. I can't remember which game it was. There were, maybe it was a Seattle game where he just ripped the ball up the left sideline, the touchdown, he threw up the seam to one of the tight ends. I mean, there are three or four throws every single week where I find myself rewinding it because I'm like, this guy just got a hose. Like his ability to do this is unbelievable. (laughs) And I don't think people necessarily ascribe that sort of excitement to watching Jared Goff play. But when he was playing at his best in LA, I've told the story a bunch of times. 2017, they play the Vikings on Thursday Night Football in the Coliseum. He throws, I think, four touchdowns in that game and threw for 350, 400 yards. It was one of the coolest games I've ever seen a quarterback play live. And that never went away. You know, he still has that ability. I think that all everything that happened in L.A., it's well-worn territory. Everyone knows the story at this point, but he can still rip it. And this offense, I think, has given him the structure and the X's and O's element of it. But they've also given him the confidence to see that version of him. And that version of him is a fun quarterback to watch. Go back and watch that throw to Brock Wright right down the seam for the touchdown against the Chargers. I think a perfect example of what you're talking about there. Well, let's stick with quarterbacks a little bit. Justin Fields, it, it looks like he's going to be back in Chicago. Just how big of an impact is that um, in, in Chicago? He was playing some, some pretty good football um, you know, before, um, before he got hurt, injured the thumb on his throwing hand. Just the impact that that makes on Chicago in this matchup with Detroit this week. I think it's really important for for two different reasons. One, the defense is starting to play pretty well. 
they've really had things come together on defense. The secondary has gotten healthier. Obviously, they go out yeah. and make the Montez Sweat deal. So if you look at every layer of their defense, they're getting such better play than they did all of last season and then for a good chunk of this year. So you need an offense that can kind of rise to that level and match the play of your defense. And I think he gives them a better shot to do that. So I think he makes them much more competitive in the short term. And the thing that's most important for me as I look at the Bears and their trajectory is you need to get an evaluation on him. There is a very real chance that you're going to have the number one, number two pick in the draft because you own Carolina's pick. So these last eight weeks of the season are crucial for you to get information on where Justin Fields is within this offense, where he is with a healthy offensive line. Braxton Jones, their left tackle, missed most of the first half of the season. The group they have right now up there is the best, most complete one they've had pretty much all year that he's stepping back into. So on a competitive level and on a just gathering information level, I think this game specifically in the next two months are going to be very important for Justin Fields. You mentioned Montez Sweat, and obviously came over at the trade deadline from Washington, signed the big deal. He's already had some impact there, but but now gets a, a week to practice. It was kind of a, a thrown to the fire first couple weeks there with, with Montez, but still able to make an impact. How good is that matchup going to be against Penny Sewell and Montez Sweat? It seems every week with, with Penny and Max Crosby, last week with Joey Bosa. I mean, it's just every week this guy just shows up and shuts down whoever's on the other side of him. How fun will uh, be? Bears and Lions fans have with that matchup this week. It's going to be great. And that's why you need a guy like that in this division, because you look at the tackles Detroit has right now, the Vikings, it's one of the strengths of their roster. Obviously the Packers have been in flux, but when you've got a team, multiple teams within your own division that have invested and hit on players at that position on offense, you've got to match it on defense. And I can understand the Bears showing a little bit of urgency and saying, we're going to make this deal because we don't think a guy like this is going to be available for us in free agency. And you've already seen the impact. It helps that he's six, five and has some of the longest arms in the league. And he was playing against Bryce young. So getting in some of those passing lanes when you're playing against five foot 10, Bryce young looks a little better than it might (laughs) against other quarterbacks. But I still think that you could feel the way that he's impacted that defense so far. No, 100%. I wanted to get your your perspective on the Vikings, too. Just a team that will not go away, right? You you look at the start and you thought, at one and four, this team's done. All they've done is is you know win five in a row with, with Joshua Dobbs there. He's playing really good football the last couple weeks. Is is that sustainable, do you think, in, in, in your opinion? And is that going to be the main competition? Is that going to be Detroit and Minnesota here all the way till the end? I think it's sustainable to a degree. I just think that offense has been so well designed all year. This is year two of Kevin O'Connell and that staff, and they've really settled in. You know, having Jordan Addison there now, an entire year of TJ Hawkinson, they, they've been doing this without Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson's going to be back soon. So I think that Josh Dobbs has played at a high enough level for us to think that the Vikings are going to be competitive on that side of the ball down the stretch. And that wasn't necessarily going to be the case after Kirk Cousins went down. The most encouraging part to me about the Vikings this season, the offense, you could feel it coming. You know, last year with Hawkinson on the field, even with some issues up front, they were still able to sustain some pretty good offense down the stretch on defense. They had such little talent coming into this season. They didn't make any huge investments because in a lot of ways, this was kind of a reset year for them. They admitted that in the way that they built this thing. And for them to have the results they've had so far defensively with the lack of talent they have on that side of the ball is remarkable. Brian Flores has done an unbelievable job. And I think that that complimentary aspect of the defense playing well and the offense really coming into its own in year two, even with Josh Dobbs, I think it makes me more encouraged, excited, 
optimistic about them than pretty much any other team right now in that NFC wildcard picture outside of Dallas, obviously Dallas. I'm just penciling yeah. into the playoffs. You know, that's a, that's a really dangerous trio that they've, they're going to have there in Minnesota with Jefferson Addison, who's really come on and Hawkinson. I mean, that that's a tough trio for a defense to, to, to deal with. And I think when you can score points like, like they can, they're always going to be right there. I want to get real quick, Bruce Irvin. Um, you know, what do you think he's got left in the tank? 36 years old Lions signed him to their practice squad this week. And, you know, obviously coming off a game in which, um, you know, they weren't able to, to, to sack Justin Herbert. They've had a few of those games, uh, um, they they rank 20th in the NFL in, in terms of sacks. Want a little bit of juice there? Can can a 36 year old Bruce Irvin provide it? I think it's going to be tough to to get the amount of production you want out of a guy at that stage in his career. But we'll see what happens. You know, they that was the one area coming into the off season or coming into the season where I just thought, ah, could they have added one more body? You know, to complement the guys they already have. Aiden Hutchinson is obviously yeah. taking a huge step. So is Aline McNeil, but they didn't really add any high level edge rushing talent to this roster. You're banking on the Charles Harris's and guys like that. And so far, that hasn't come together in the way that they necessarily wanted. But I think that's probably wishful thinking. But I have enough faith in the rest of this defense and the guys they have all across that unit for them to still be pretty darn good by the end of the season. James Houston, too. They're, they're still hopeful to get that guy back in late December. That's a guy that obviously we saw at the end of last year could, get, could give them a little boost in, in terms of their pass rush, too. Um, Robert Mays, uh, do a great job with, with the Athletic Football Show. Thank you so much for taking the time, getting a little perspective on the, on the Lions, the NFC North. Always great stuff. I appreciate you taking the time. Anytime. Good to talk to you. Welcome back to the 20 Mill Huddle Podcast, and it is now the key matchup segment of the podcast. And joining me as he's done a couple times this week is PJ Clark. PJ, welcome. We're back. We're back. We do this. I like when me and you do this because we, 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 you know, get after each other just a, a little just bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit just here. Little bit. You know the drill. We've got five matchups. They're key to this week. Let's, let's get right into it right away. And I want to start with this one. Kirby Joseph and Justin Fields. You look at Kirby the last few weeks, he's been able to kind of make the impact. We talked to him a a few weeks ago and he said, look, I'm not impacting the game unless I'm getting to the ball, unless I'm touching the ball, unless I'm taking the ball away. And right after that, he got his first pick of the season. He's kind of continued that. And so, you know, can he keep that going Um, this week against Justin Fields? He's been off for the last four weeks, had the dislocated thumb in his throwing hand. And I think, there's going to be, I think, an adjustment period for Justin a little bit early. This is a little bit different of a Chicago offense. They like to push the ball down the field more than we've been used to with Justin being more of a runner. So I think there might be some opportunities for Kirby to get his hands on some footballs. This is a big matchup for me. Yeah, and Fields, six starts this year, six interceptions. So statistically, he's going to give you chances. He's going to... He's been throwing at least one in every start this year. Kirby back-to-back games with an interception. I think even furthermore, Kirby led the team in tackles in the game against Baltimore because Lamar was getting into the secondary so many times on runs. Fields, like you mentioned, another running quarterback. Kirby not only is going to have to be very aware about, you know, how am I playing center field? Can I maybe get a third straight interception making plays to that end? But he's going to be the last line of defense again 100%. against the run as well. And, and you know, you hope it doesn't get that far. You hope maybe the linebackers, this is going to be a big Campbell-Anzalone game. But, you know, if you got to save the 70-yard touchdown run, 
Kirby Joseph is going to be the guy. 279 rushing yards last year in two games combined for Justin Fields against Detroit. So to your point, he's got to be very good last line of defense. You mentioned the six interceptions. I think something a little different about this offense, too, is the six touchdown passes of 20 plus yards that Fields had in weeks one through six before the injury. Um, To that point earlier, he, you know, when he sees it, I think he's still going to go. And and Aaron Glenn talked about that and being very disciplined with their rush and, um, you know, maybe that game against Baltimore gave them a little bit of, of, a, of, a, of a different kind of game plan heading into this one. But Kirby's going to be really important, I think, for this Lions defense, both playing center field and, and like you said, being the last line of defense. Yeah, and, and especially a guy that has killed the Lions the last couple of years with Phil's at quarterback is, is Cole Komet. And, yeah. you know, he's not on our list this week, but Kirby got burned by Cole Komet a couple times last year for touchdowns. Yeah. And that's going to, he's a big part of their offense still. You mentioned DJ Moore has unlocked a lot downfield, but they still like throwing at the tight end in the red zone. And, and he's a guy that's capable of, of making the Lions pay. That's just another option for Kirby that, you know, playing center field over the top of DJ Moore is one thing, but you're going to be matched up with Cole Komet, a guy that has gotten you a couple times. How have you Big, improved physical, now? yeah, and and been better this year in coverage? How can you keep that going against a guy that has given the Lions problems in the past? It'll be interesting to see. It, it, it's a big matchup to me. That's why I wanted to start with that one. All right, let's flip to the other side. TJ Edmonds and Tremaine, TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds, two linebackers yeah. for... Um, for Chicago. We'll see if Edmonds is back at practice. I know he missed Wednesday. He's been dealing with a knee injury. Um, Eberflus, their their head coach, said he was close to returning this week. So we'll see there. But I think that's a great matchup with their two linebackers versus David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, who PJ, I, think, monster, baby. I think they've become, you know, arguably one of the best one-two combos in the league. Yeah, and this is, you know, I think David Montgomery has this one circled. I don't think that's I a think secret so. to, to anybody. He's going to want this one really bad. And you know, you're going to see a little bit of, of the ground and pound. It, it's funny, you know, David Montgomery with the 75-yard touch yard touchdown run and Jameer Gibbs is the guy scoring from the one and the two-yard line. It's not how you kind of drew it up, but these guys can do similar things, whereas uh-huh. maybe last year you had a goal line back and, a, and a more of a scat back, an electric guy. These two are a little more interchangeable, and I think the Los Angeles game is the first time we've seen that. Yeah, and it'll be a good test this week. Uh, Chicago defense number two in the league, averaging only 76 yards uh, per game. But we saw it last week with the Chargers, right? They were number six. I think they were allowing 86. Yeah. And you look at what that front did, opening some holes, 200 yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns, really controlled the game with their ground game. And I would expect a similar thing. I, I know Chicago's really good. That's kind of been their forte on defense. But I look at this game pretty similar to what it was last week. Teams have been able to attack Chicago through the air like they did with the Chargers. Um, not so much on the ground, but this is a different kind of beast with Detroit. Yeah, and they they want to run the ball. They yes. have the offensive line. This is the, the game plan, especially in a divisional game where, you know, it, Chicago's quarterback hasn't played in a long time. He's going to be getting back into it. Just control the pace. You have two running backs that are going to be able to do it, but you're looking at a a pair of linebackers that they threw a ton of money at, $91 million this offseason on these two guys. They clearly saw the linebacker position as something they needed to improve on, and they went out and spent big money in order to do it. And they're getting production from those guys, too. I mean, you look at Edwards, 112 tackles in 10 games, and Edmonds, 63 tackles in eight games. So it's money probably hasn't been well spent to this point in terms of the numbers that you're seeing on defense, but... 
uh, Ben Johnson talked about it too, just about the training wheels coming off a little bit of this scheme and and how they're finally getting healthy. And and they see this defense as a much better defense than three and seven would indicate. And I think it all starts with kind of those guys right up front. And once they get all the pieces healthy and, and everything kind of goes through them, I think those two guys are veteran guys that have proven they can be playmakers. They can be kind of the heart of your defense in terms of tackles. And, and they can be kind of that, that, that centerfuge of, of being a good unit. And so that's why I think it's a great matchup with Jameer and Montgomery. Lions are fourth in rushing touchdowns with 14, and they've got over 1,500 um, scrimmage yards from their running back position. That's second to only Miami. So what a great matchup between two linebackers that are really good at, at, at stopping the run, at tackling, getting runners down, and two running backs that you said are pretty versatile, can do a lot of different things. Yeah, and and you're looking at a lot of the, the big plays for the Lions last week was when like Sewell was matched up on Kenneth Murray and got to that second level and was just taking a linebacker out of the equation. Tremaine Edmonds, at least, is you know one of the upper-tier linebackers in the league making $18 million a year. Is he going to put up a better fight than a guy like Kenneth Murray did last week? I'm sure they're looking at that and trying to get those matchups that, you know, Nice tool in the second level is nothing no. you want to go no, against. No, thanks. You got to do better than the Chargers did last week. All right, let's go to this one. We talked about DJ Moore a little bit off the top. I think that that uh, matchup with, with Cam Sutton, Jerry's going to see some too. I, I don't know if they'll travel Cam yeah, specifically. That, I was, that was my first point. It'll be I'm interesting, be interesting because I know they tried to do a little bit of that with Keenan Allen, but I thought the Chargers did a really good job with their motion. Sometimes you you just couldn't get there fast enough. You didn't want to show what, you, what kind of covers you were in. So, It'll be interesting to see if, if, if Cam travels around with DJ Moore. But look, I look at, at DJ Moore, leads them in targets with 71, catches with 52, yards 793, touchdowns 5. I mean, he's their guy. Yeah, I mean, you, you make that trade, and yeah, the Carolina pick this year currently looks great. But getting DJ Moore, that is, that's, a you know, a third, on the top, a third right? first round <laughs> pick that you just, you just got in that trade. Oh, and, yeah. and he has been, you know, you have a, a young quarterback in fields that's still developing, obviously kind of a, a lost season so far for him. But when you made that trade, you draw it up. It's like, all right, we got to give our guy a chance. And you go out and you get a bona fide wide receiver one. And even with the rotating in and out of who's behind center, DJ Moore is the same guy he's been in Carolina, just putting up numbers and numbers and numbers. And this is a guy that, that is burning teams downfield and has unlocked something in this offense with with Luke Getze, the coordinator, that maybe they haven't had the last couple of years. You know, and it's dangerous with Justin's ability to create you know, plays outside of the pocket to you extend. You get a little bit off schedule. To extend plays. DJ's a guy that can make you pay down the field big time. You know, I, I, I thought Cam's coming off maybe his worst game of the season. I think one touchdown all the way up to week 10. Gave up two last week. Obviously, the secondary as a whole had some communication issues that Dan Campbell talked about. They're looking for a bounce back. But I think Cam is too. I think this is one where you can say, look, I'm... I'm a good player in this league too. I, I think I'm one of the better cornerbacks in this league. Let's try to take this this cornerback, their weapon, out of out of commission this week. But I think it, it's going to be population to the football for Detroit, and it's going to be really good tackling and Cam included because you look at some of DJ Moore's big plays. They come after broken the catch, tackle. after yeah. a broken tackle. Guys like Cam, guys like um, uh, Jerry, they're going to have to be really good on the outside, making sure that they they get DJ Moore down, and then everybody's got to populate to the football too because that's a guy who I think is one of the most dangerous run after catch receivers in the league. And to your point, Cam, not his best last week. I'm sure he'd be the first one to say that, but 
after the the 40 yard pass interference that you know on a third down kind of changed changed that drive was a was a big play for the chargers on offense there next play they throw a wide receiver screen the camp side he blows, blows it, up it up immediately you love that that's yeah. the bounce back that that a veteran guy like cam sutton you know i expect him to be back on the horse this week for sure i love the what dan campbell said this week when if you want to be a physical football team your cornerbacks have to tackle yep. and your wide receivers have to block we've seen that they, from checking those boxes checking those boxes sure. that that's the dan campbell physicality checklist yeah. for your football yeah. team no, that's a good way to do it all right let's go to this one at uh, aiden hutchinson versus darnell Wright. Yeah. and you look at this lion's pass rush it's got a little bit of criticism, um, especially over the last week with their inability to get after um, Justin Herbert. And I think this is just kind of a game where Aiden's due, right? I think it's been, what, since week five, since yeah. we've seen a second one? He's gotten pressures. He's affected the quarterback. But look, sacks are different. I mean, sacks are drive-ending plays. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. I'd love to see the percentage. We talked about this a little bit of just drives that continue on or drives that score yeah. once a team has suffered a sack. Like I, I get you want to affect the quarterback and get him off his spot and do some of those things, and that's all great. But sacks are a huge number in this league for a reason. Guys get paid hundreds of million dollars when they can sack the quarterback for a reason in this league. Yep. Lions just aren't doing enough. I think they're ranked 21st in the league with 21 sacks. They've had a few games where they've had five plus, but they've had a few games where they've had the zero. And I think that's what you want to see is a little bit more consistency. That's the that's the key for me. You have the blow up games, the the Green Bay, the Atlanta, where you're like really, really taking advantage. But then you're looking at multiple games with zero, multiple games with one. And that's where, you know, the blow up games are nice, but if, I would rather have those spread out a, a little bit and just get more consistent juice. And, and Darnell Wright, top 10 pick for them this year has looked really, really good. They have, you know, Braxton Jones in his second year. Now they have two young tackles that are, are bookends for them for the foreseeable future. And I think Darnell Wright has been everything they wanted in a top 10 tackle this year. And Aiden's going to have a, a, a tough matchup going against that, but he's got to, you know, you're in your second year, you're going against a rookie tackle. It's not Rashawn Slater from last week. You Can you take advantage? And, and finally, you know, this is a tough guy to bring down with his running ability, but you, you got to get home at some point here. 31 pressure to allow, pressures allowed by Wright are the fifth most in the league, though. I think he's been good. Five sacks for a rookie guy coming yeah. in and playing. That's not bad, but... He's shown that he can allow some pressure, that, that they, they can get after it a little bit on his side. So you look for Hutch, four and a half sacks, like we said, hasn't had one since week five. At home, coming off the defensive performance that they did last week, I could just see maybe he's due, like a two-sack game for him. You know, a big one in the second half that maybe affects this game. I I think he's due. Yeah, uh, it, would be, it would be a great sign to, to get the home crowd going, too. Maybe he gets one early, maybe he gets one late, and, and that'll... This is going to be a defensive tone-setting game, and I think Aiden's the guy that you want to set it immediately. Speaking of setting the tone, Penny Sewell does a pretty good job. Oh, that guy. That guy's guy's pretty good, man. He's all right. I think uh, he's... Not only the best right tackle in football, I think he's, he's one the of the best. best he's tackle. been the best tackle in football. And I think he's an all-pro. Sure. I think he is the the future of the offensive line here in Detroit. And look, it seems like every week it was Max Crosby, and then it was Joey Bosa, and now it's um, now it's going to be Montez Sweat, yeah. who Chicago traded for from Washington at the trade deadline. Uh, Montez Sweat still looking for his first sack, but I had seven pressures last week. Yep. I thought he affected the game. I think had three quarterback hits as as Chicago beat Carolina. Um, Penny Sewell, you just 
can't say enough good things about no sacks allowed what one quarterback hit something it, it's been crazy how good he is so Montez will play both sides as what I've seen on film but a majority I think is over there on the right side so that's going to be a, an interesting matchup all game it is and I mean this is from the Bears standpoint this is why you you trade and then pay him a hundred million dollars this is what you're signing up for when you know you have to go against Darisaw and Sewell and whatever the Packers are trotting out there in the future. They've got a lot of tackles that they rotate through, but you have to to be able to compete with the tackles in this division. You have some elite ones, and they made this trade and and gave the contract to a guy that they believe can do that. And he had a a good game last week, like like you mentioned, but you got to start kind of taking advantage of the opportunities but this is Sewell is a, is a different beast you know you, what what can you do against Carolina and then what can you do against Panay Sewell pressures allowed five 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 one, one hand sacks allowed zero. zero quarterback hurries like hurries Four. Yeah no I, I mean, mean four hits I mean had, and and no pressures against the the three of Max Crosby, Joey Bosa, and Khalil Mack in the last two games. Zero pressures in 45 pass blocking snaps. Guy's so good. Guys, he's ridiculous. He's and, fun to watch. And it was it was it, interesting. I asked Ben Johnson just about when you got guys like Taylor Decker, who's I think very undervalued as a left tackle, and then Penny Sewell, what does that allow you to do offensively? And he said, everything. Yeah. He said, because like some other teams, we have to mask or, or help or protect or use a tight end or use your running backs. Like you don't have to do that. You can just trust them one on one with those guys. And I think it opens up your entire playbook. So just having two guys like that it, it is so important. I don't think they both get enough credit for, for how much they impact not only the game, but the game plan going in because of what they can do to stop the other team's best pass. Rushers. Yeah. I mean, even on, on the fourth and two play that that got to the field goal last week, the last offensive play effectively. Bosa, Bosa and Sewell on an island. Graham was there to help at right guard. And by the time Graham passed off the, the tackle to Frank and turned around to go look at Sewell, Penny was sitting on Joey Bosa. There was nothing for Graham to do. If you go back and watch it, it is a hilarious visual. He's literally laying on top of him, and Graham is just standing there like looking for work. Uh, that's the kind of guy he is. You don't even, you know... It's great that Graham was available to help, doesn't he? Hey, didn't doesn't need it. So those are the key matchups to this week. It should be a fun one, I think. Division game, your division second game. Division game, getting back into means, the division is going to be It means fun. a little bit more. Obviously, you got two in a row here and a quick turnaround for Thanksgiving and, and the Packers coming. But uh, you want to you want to kind of kick this off, this little stretch of three games in 11 days. Um, you got by the first one. You've got to kind of get by this one to, to set it up for, for Thanksgiving. Should be a fun matchup in the division. It's the Chicago Bears, right? It's the NFC North. Black it's the black blue. and blue, baby. Um, we will be there. We will. We will do a podcast after. We will. Hopefully we're talking about a Detroit Lions win. So uh, thank you, PJ, for joining me for the key matchups. And we'll do it again on Sunday night. See you Sunday. Sounds good.